0: Welcome to a dialogue on accountability in the digital age, a dialogue with representatives of a global multi-stakeholder community.
1: And I'm your host Fritz Busselmaker and today I'm delighted and privileged to have a conversation with Kay Firth Butterfield. Kay, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Allow me to introduce Kay. Uh, you are a true renaissance woman, um, a barrister, former judge, professor, technologist, entrepreneur and one of the former foremost experts in the world on the governance of artificial intelligence. You're a member of the executive committee of the World Economic Forum, co-founded Global AI and was also the world's first AI ethics officer. There's a lot more on that list uh, but before uh, we we, uh, have a discussion. Also uh, awards and honors, including Forbes Women Defining the 21st Century AI Movement and the New York Times who recognize you as the the 10 women uh, changing the landscape of leadership. Again, Kay, honored and a pleasure to have you. And we're going to talk about AI and ethics.
0: Super, my favorite topic.
1: Good. Hey, so to begin with, World Economic Forum, AI, um, how did that come together? How did you start your journey in AI and and how did ethics get involved?
0: Yeah, sure, so I suppose um, you may know that I was a lawyer, a human rights lawyer to begin with. And um, I had been, I'd written books and was writing a book one day on um, human rights and human trafficking. Okay. And I started thinking about, it, would we abuse humans if there were robots for us to um, to abuse? And so it was very much a thought piece. Um, and that turned into me really sort of thinking more about artificial intelligence and where it was at that time. So that would have been 2010, I think. And um, really beginning to dive into the two big places that I think we still are not paying enough attention with um, AI and um, ethics or a responsible AI, whatever term you want to give it and that is what is its impact in geopolitical terms? So I have a master's degree in AI and international relations and what is the legal impact? What's the impact of the what the way that we use AI on the laws that we have and the laws that we should have? And so once I was doing that, um, I managed to sit on a plane next to the chair and CEO of a startup called Lucid AI. Mm -hmm. It was one week after uh, Stephen Hawking and Stuart Russell and Max Techmark had written that piece in the the Times of London saying that AI might be the best thing that humanity ever does, or it might be our last. And uh, this poor guy was thinking about his impact as he brought AI into the world. And uh, we had 10 hours on a plane. And as we got off, he asked me if I would go and work for him. So I actually came up with this terrible title, Chief AI Ethics Officer, um, because I, I think the problem with using the word ethics is that it, it brings everybody to, well, whose ethics are we going to use and all of that sort of thing? Whereas now sort of using responsible AI or trustworthy AI, I think um, avoids that particular problem. Um, So I then, uh, I went from there to starting what is now the Responsible AI Institute, um, which looks at certification of AI, and then to lead the work at the World Economic Forum on in those days, just governance with a small G of AI, but now we look about at uh, building applications for humanitarian purposes, and um, much more thinking about how business uses AI and how it should use it responsibly or in a trustworthy fashion.
1: Okay, good. That's because. Uh, that's was my one of my questions. What is the World Economic Forum doing with AI? Is uh, could you uh, sure. dive into yeah a little bit into that?
0: <laughs> yeah, I could. Yeah. Um, might take up our whole time because okay. we've been doing it since twenty seventeen, and we started by creating. We only we don't write white papers. We only create um, frameworks and models for people to actually use. So for example, in the responsible AI um, bracket, we created a toolkit for boards. It's online, it's interoperable across devices. And what we know is that many boards are older gentlemen Mm -hmm. um, who don't necessarily have technical skills. And so what we wanted to do was to give them a toolkit that they could look at and understand what their duties and oversight um, for companies as more and more of them use AI. And then we followed that up with a, this year published a toolkit for the C-suite. So if you're the chief human resources officer, you should know that there's some law coming from Europe There's law in the US, there's the EEOC waiting to find the right case to to prosecute because you've used AI um, in that human resources um, area and you've used it unwisely without doing due diligence. And so for each of the C-suite roles, we've mapped out what you really need to know about AI and what you should be thinking about. So that's sort of governance in companies. There's a whole lot of other things. But as I say, I can't take up our whole time talking about them. And then there's thinking about governments and how um, governments should think about using AI. So our very first project is, well, if you're going to use AI, you're either going to make it or you're going to procure it. Most governments are actually procuring it. Okay. They can use procurement of AI as a form of soft governance, because if you set standards for what you want um, to buy, then that's actually a form of soft governance in AI. And so we did that, we started the work with the UK, but we aren't consultants, so the idea of anything is that we do work with a multi-stakeholder group, so that's always academics, government, non-profits and business, and then we produce something which hopefully is adopted widely. So the UK adopted it in 2020, it's also in force in Bahrain and the UAE, and also now in Brazil, and we're just beginning to talk to Japan about using the the tools that we created. Um, Then in the application space, um, chatbots, how do you use chatbots responsibly if you're going to use them in healthcare? So we created again, a framework of how to do that um, with that multi-stakeholder group. And that's now being piloted in Rwanda. And so then um, I'll just, very briefly talk about um, two others. One is facial recognition and use by law enforcement. It's such an important topic. And I'm pleased to say that actually the, the Dutch police have been working with us on um, piloting a uh, framework that we developed with Interpol and Unicree. To really dig down into what's responsible use of facial recognition by law enforcement, and That's then really, yeah, and then finally just the humanitarian piece. Uh, we have just developed a we've just developed a tool which we are piloting this week for the first time, um, which we hope will be able to predict where wildfires are going to occur in Turkey. And um' we'll then um, and we can, and then there'll be a second tool to help fire fighters, et cetera, understand which one they might want to go and go to. So if we can do that in Turkey, we can then hopefully encourage governments across Mediterranean that have Mediterranean climates to also use the tool. And one thing that a lot of people don't know, is that the fires in um, California last year, the amount of the emissions undid all the work that they have been doing over the last ten years on climate change. And so this is this if we can do it, this is a significant um, step to improving the state of the world.
1: Uh, so many great examples from all parts of the world uh, using AI. Uh, first question uh, is actually some, coming back to what you first said. Which which ethical framework are you using? Uh, because it's a global standard, uh, a, a global one. Which do you? Yeah.
0: Use? So we don't we don't specifically say we are using a, a, an ethical standard. What we did do is we um, talked to PwC, who had done a lot of work on uh, saying, you know, which standards, which principles are common across the globe. And um, they came up with nine, maybe 10 that were common across the globe. So everybody, it turns out, would like some explainability, some accountability, um, would like AI to be beneficial for humanity, would like privacy, and so really we use those as the backbone for the way we think about these, um, these tools that we create. But we, but the, the key is that we are not trying to dictate to anybody how they should think and what their ethics should be. We're creating tools which then they can use if they choose to, to do better when they're thinking about how to use chatbots with um with healthcare or chatbots in any situation you could take the framework and you could use it in any situation um, but what we wanted to do you know there's so much talk about principles to practice we've been doing that for the last five years we've been trying to give people practical guides to to work with uh, i got
1: that now um does ring me the question which okay well it needs to be accountable it needs to be explainable um what's then the definition of explainable what's then the definition of accountable uh, and uh, is there room to f- to maneuver in that definition across different uh, organizations uh, across the world
0: absolutely and 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 you know frankly there is likely to be forever because we are not going to have global law on this no. i do, i just don't see us having global law um, i see us perhaps through gpa or and the work that we do yeah. at the forum and the work that we do with UNESCO and UNICEF and Unicree and and the OECD as as some countries coming to some um, understanding of what responsible or trustworthy AI looks like and having similar laws. um, I do think that there is a possibility for the new European Act on AI to have the same influence that GDPR had, for example. And if you look across the world, um, certainly the areas that we're working in, you do see some sort of harmonization or similarity—not harmonization, similarity—of the laws that are are growing in those countries. Um, but I, you know, we can't expect to have the same ethical parameters across the world, and we can't expect to. um enforce the, the ones that we believe in on anybody else. I think that that's a fallacious argument. And the best we can do is hope that everybody adopts some laws some, okay, something around explainability or accountability, but you know, we're not really seeing that. And you could say that it's not an AI, it's not just relevant to a, it, applicable to AI. Actually, there are divisions in our world that are geopolitical divisions, and AI is just one of the one of the aspects that is caught in this web of differences between. Now, us. we
1: are focusing on uh, artificial intelligence. I mean uh, g- uh, given your background, uh, but it's uh, it's a question which goes beyond AI. It is applicable to a lot of digital technology being developed out there we have to understand how we're going to govern that. And maybe AI is just uh, leading the wave and leading the way how we're going to do that. Because for blockchain quantum, we're gonna to have to do exactly the same thing. The yeah, same
0: thing. absolutely. Well, on quantum, I can tell you that we created the first principles for responsible quantum just this year. So Good. what we wanted to do, we realized that we're way behind with AI. We wanted to actually try and be at the beginning for quantum.
1: Great. Now that 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 okay, that's good to know. We'll definitely um, uh, make that available uh, when we send out the video, uh, the interview. Um, now, I don't know if you're able, capable to answer the following question. But in general, do governments, do international institutes understand AI enough to understand what the what the impact is of AI on this
0: world? Um, I'd like to say yes. Um. I I think that there are extremely hardworking people in almost every government who do understand the impact of AI and do want to do it correctly. Um, I talk to a lot of them all the time. The problem I think is more at the level of politicians um, where the politicians don't really understand the impact of AI. And um, it's the politicians in many countries that need to be first movers in terms of um, actually creating any legislation, if that's the way we want to go. I think there's a separate debate that we could have about whether we want regulation or whether we want soft governance. But um, to your question, I I think there are people who understand it and could try and do a good job. But... Our political, uh, our politicians don't, on the whole, understand it, and don't understand the thing that's most important. I think here is that they don't understand that AI will be everywhere, and it will it, it will be everywhere in our private lives, in our public lives, in our business lives, and um, we need to prepare a world for that. <laughs> Um, and, you know, when we add in the metaverse, if that's bigger, which is simply an application of AI, then, you know, we could all be living in that and working in it.
1: Uh, this reminds you a little bit of, actually reminds me of a discussion I had with Newt Kindrich when he was in The Hague a couple of years ago and asked, sir, could you give me your, uh, your view on uh, how to deal with accountability in the digital age? Now he's also a lawyer by background. And he said, well, it's just like any other in- in- innovation out there. Uh, look at uh, how we invented a car hundred years ago. Uh, we initially, we had somebody uh, walking in front of the car when it passed the town with a red flag. And it took us about 10, 20 years to um, write up the laws we need to uh, and uh, regulate tra- traffic. And uh, I was in a room with 150 people. About 100 said, Hey, yeah, I understand the concept. I understand the principle. Uh, but were about 50 who were, I would say were a little bit more digital technology savvy and said, Hey, in principle, I understand that answer. I understand that approach. But what you're missing is time. Yeah. Do we have the time to wait 10, 20 years? So that's my first question. I think we've already answered that question. But then, my follow-up question to you is is this accountability in a digital age a 21st century issue which requires 21st century solutions in other words uh, should we still be looking at rules regulation law to govern technology or should we be looking at 21st century solutions what's your take on that
0: Okay, so first of all, on the time, absolutely not. Resounding no, we don't have 20 years to wait. Our world will look totally different in 20 years and not just because of AI. Um, on the uh, on the second point, you know, should we be looking at 21st century um, solutions? Of course we should. Um, but I don't think that means that, that all law need to be dead, needs to be dead. I mean, obviously I am a lawyer, so I may have a bias here.. Yeah. But um, I'm a common law lawyer. and one of the things that we pride ourselves in doing is understanding how society is changing and create and, and extending and changing law, for how it um society has changed, with notable exceptions just recently in America. But let's move to the um the concept of of common law was always that you you saw what the law was and then you saw where it needed to move, and within parameters, you were able to have that flexibility. Um, so, I think that there is room for law. I think there is, I think it's going to be really interesting how the AI, the European AI Act is actually implemented, because I think at the moment, it's really hard to see how it's going to be implemented. Um, And, but one of my problems with law is that it takes forever. I mean, a case can take forever. So. Supposing there was law in place today, it can take years to actually have the have an action tried. And then you've got the the various levels of appeal as well. So it can take a long time. So you could be talking about some of you know five years before we actually have any case law. So that then suggests to me, which is what I said earlier that we need to find creative, soft governance, 21st century um, ways uh, of of creating governance. And part of that, which I think is very exciting, is that we are seeing companies begin to see their role as as stewards, you know, with ESG. Mm -hmm. And I personally think that technology, AI in my case, actually fits in e s and g because it needs all three
1: and tying into that I also see a shift now I'm not a lawyer by background and engineer but I'm what I can follow is a shift from rule-based thinking into principle-based thinking which allows us a little bit more uh, freedom in interpreting what was actually meant and what was the idea the rationale behind thinking about that particular law rather than does it apply uh, or not, Uh, Mm. could be part of the solution here. Um, Now, you were the first uh, ethical AI officer in the world. Uh, Is that the same as taking a human centric approach?
0: I think it is. Um, I mean, other people would say, might say differently, but for me, Um, taking a human-centric approach is truly important. And when I talk about human-centric, I don't forget the planet Mm -hmm. Um, because we humans won't do very well without our planet. And so it's that symbiotic relationship when I think about human-centered. I can't actually see any point for AI if it doesn't help us, serve us, um, be controlled by us, um the other seems yeah. to me a, a truly dystopian world. Okay,
1: this is actually a very nice segue to um, my, my final topic for today's uh, dialogue. Uh, okay, and that is coming back to, you already mentioned him, Stephen Hawking. Um, now, he predicted that the, the way AI uh, is evolving could spell the end of the human race. Now that's his prediction uh, a couple of years ago, but I was reminded by that when I saw two recent uh, news sites came out. First of all, there was an AI bot which wrote a scientific paper on itself. Mm-hmm. So where the research behind the experiment uh, really says she didn't ho- uh, hope she opened the Pandora's box. And there also are some recent decisions from South Africa and Australia that artificial intelligence Uh, can be listed as an inventor of a patent. What's your thoughts? Should should we go down that route?
0: Well, um, let me first talk about the sort of the AI bot that wrote its own scientific paper. I mean, I think that what we are seeing is the gradual development of a form of artificial general intelligence. We may not... It it may not be artificial general intelligence, but it is um, a development that's possibly a bit beyond the narrow. So let me talk about Alpha Code, for example. Alpha Code can pass um, conversation, uh, can pass questions, and can then work out how to answer them, and it can do it better than fifty-six percent of coders who are in the same competition. Um, that's that's to me an interesting development. I don't see that as wiping out humanity. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, Hawkins, okay. it's dangerous. Um, I do see it as some as a reason that we need to get on with thinking about how AI and humans are going to work together. Um, and then there's the then there's should AI be an inventor? my very first piece of work when I got to the forum was on this topic, (laughs) it's precisely because I believe that we should not be allowing AI to invent things because that actually gives the first movers huge power. Uh, If you think about it, if you're a company that's already an AI company and your AI can now invent things, you know, you are in a huge advantage above every other company in the world. Um, And uh, so I, that's number one. Secondly, should the AI have its own legal identity? Absolutely not, Um, because the, at the moment we, there are people creating these algorithms that then are going on to do X. It's the people who create them that should be creating them with a diverse team with guardrails in place at the time of creation and should watch for it as it goes through the various development segments and in many cases after sale. And um, that's the sort of regime that we need either voluntarily or um, through some form of regulation to see in companies all over the world as we use more and more AI.
1: Okay, so last question. Are you optimistic or cautious or pessimistic,
0: the future of AI
1: and it being responsible AI?
0: Um, I think to work in AI at all, you have to be optimistic that, that we are going to be creating something that really helps with the major problems that we have in the world, like our our wildfire prediction tool. Um, I I am pleased that we're now at the point where responsible AI is being discussed because um, it wasn't for a long time. Um, I am optimistic that if we keep talking about responsible AI and the need for it, um, the companies that are being told to just go and get AI or they'll die, actually understand that you have to get responsible AI because otherwise you buy more problems than you solve.
1: Well, that's the core, I'd say objective of our Institute for Accountability in the Digital Age, making certain that we begin by talking about it hopefully the solutions will find itself and you've given us an insight in the great work which the World Economic Forum is doing in this case and also why we're doing it and uh, yeah I'm going to follow this
0: well it was a great pleasure to have the opportunity of talking to you thanks for inviting me